Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane. Icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Everybody. Welcome to another week of Chasing Frets. This week, I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Gore. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. Really stoked about talking to my old pal, Lyle. He's an uh, impressive dude. Most people probably have heard him uh, either intentionally or unintentionally through all of his movie soundtrack work, but he does have uh, quite a history of being a session musician and touring musician with people like Beck and Frank Black and a bunch of others. and Sting and Todd Rundgren. Yes. I really wanted to kind of break down what it's like to write for music and television and the difference between those two. And, and in today's episode, we really kind of almost in a granular detail look at what's the process from that first phone call all the way through to the finished product. Yeah, it's like um, Lyle, uh, you know, first his first big break in scoring was uh, working with Judd Apatow on a 40 year old virgin. And he subsequently did other movies with Judd Apatow and, um, you know, other directors and, uh, uh, last half dozen years, uh, his focus seems to have shifted more to TV, but this is a, this is a guy who works constantly. And, uh, in addition to that, he's also found time to make an exceedingly ambitious, uh, guitar record called uncommon measures. Yeah. It comes out in February. So we, uh, we got to him early on his on his press tour to, to to dig into that, and we're gonna we hit on that in today's episode. We're gonna hit on it more later this week. So here's our first episode with Lyle Workman. Thank you so much for joining us this week, man. How are you in your amp cave? It looks like there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this is my studio. Um, yeah, I've got a few amps behind me. You got some Marshalls and AC thirty divided by thirteen. Out of all those amps, I see if you had to go out, bring one out on a club gig, which one would you reach for first? Uh, it would depend on the gig. If it was a Frank Black gig, it would be a different app than if it was a Michael Bublé show, you know, so it just depends. What if it's for your, for your band? If it's like your band oh. playing music off your new record, what amp are you reaching for? Um, it would probably d- divide it by 13. Mm. Yeah. Good. Now that the gear talk is out of the way. One of the things people really know you for is your soundtrack work in movies and television. And one question that came up when in, in my brain when 
we first reached out about you to do this is what's the biggest difference for you between writing music for a movie and writing for a TV series? Well, the actual process is the same. Mm -hmm. The writing process and the what they call the spotting process is also the same. That's where you get together with the director and the editor and figure out where the music is supposed to go in advance and talk about each cue in length. That's 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 the same. The the, the only difference really is the uh, the schedule because with episodic TV you've got episodes obviously, and you've got mini deadlines. You've got to hand in the first episode at this date and the second episode at this date, and and as such, um, is that the workflow is a little bit different. Whereas with a movie, you could be working on a movie for four months and at the end of the end of the four month, the director would say, "Hey, I want to revisit that first cue," and you can go all the way back and start and 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 read and revise it. Where you don't really do that with with episodic TV because a lot of times you you spot and then a week or two weeks later it has to be done. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a quicker turnaround. That's that's really the main difference. And uh, usually, at least with the television I've done, there's no or, there there hasn't been uh, orchestral recording it's been more smaller things in the computer or small ensemble groups I'm a classical musician yeah i might have a cello player or a couple of string players but it's not a big not you know i'm not going to a big orchestra to do that now there is tv that has that i, I just hasn't been in my in my experience sure yeah and what about does is are the economics the same with you know with how 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 you get paid what you have to deliver is is TV more of a here's a set fee deliver us a score or are you going on on a budget with you know with line items and things that you want to you know can or can't afford to obtain for the project? Uh, it's pretty much the same for both, uh, and the budgets can in in movies the budgets can really run. Wild. I mean, in, in terms of uh, not wild, but they, they they vary quite a bit. It could be really small, uh, or it could be pretty big. You know, it just depends on the budget of the movie. TV is more regulated. Like there's there's kind of a general amount that you get for a half half an hour, uh, a certain amount you get for an hour show. That's pretty standardized, and there's a little bit of flexibility. But with movies, it just seems like it's all over the place. So kind of walk us through when you said the process is still the same for somebody who doesn't know anything about movies and TV. You mentioned spotting sessions. Yeah. Who's the first person to reach out to you? Is it a music supervisor or director, somebody else? Who's the first person that makes that call and says, Hey Lyle, I'd like you to do music for my project. Well, that would be the the director okay. would, would be the person that uh, I would talk to or their, their producer might get in touch with my agent and say the, the director wants to work with Lyle and then uh, a meeting would be set up. We would have a talk about it, and then uh, then the next process would be actually meeting in a, a a post facility where we watch the movie together, and then start to go by the scenes one by one. Mm. And that's and, where you kind of get an idea of what like what type of instruments, what type of ensemble, that kind of stuff. That's exactly right. And most of the time, by that stage, the film editor had has already placed in temporary music um, for pacing and just to figure out where they want music. And lots of times it could be done very well. It could be done very expertly. And, and a lot of times it's just 
really rough placeholder, like not not the right kind of music, but just something for energy. So it runs the gamut. So what we're doing in that first initial spotting session is to figure out the state of the music that's in the that's that's tempt in and and how much of that is is informative in terms of what I'm supposed to do moving forward. So then once you get that idea together, do you just take that off into your cave and start writing away? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, everything is sort of laid out on a sheet of where I where the music starts is time code. So the starts and stops. So we know I know exactly where to go in and go out. And then any kind of note that's uh, that accompanies that particular cue is 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 documented in during the spotting session. I have a I have a music uh, editor with me, so he's taking notes and uh, of, of all the the goings on in that spotting session. Is it is it correct to say that like your first big mega hit was um, you know Judd Apatow's Forty Year Old Virgin, and and mm-hmm. you know and since That's then correct. you've I mean you've done you know multiple Judd Apatow films and um, you've, you've you've kind of a, a huge percentage of your stuff has been comedy. Um, and I I just flashed on that when you were talking about, you know, about the timing, because so much of comic scoring is about, you know, the exact in point and out point and where the, where, where the punch is. Do you think you have an especial affinity with comedy or is it just luck of the draw? Cause you happened to team up with a, a a renowned comedy director when you were, when you were coming up? Well, I think it's a combination of the luck of the draw with, it just happened to be a director that did comedies. So there's that, but also combined with the fact that I'm a huge comedy fan completely separate to that you know i'm known to have made a joke or two (laughs) (laughs) some people consider me a a humorous they would describe me as a funny guy you know um but uh so i had an affinity for that kind of music or those kinds of films to begin with but in terms of the big success it just happened to be with a comedy director so that's how that sort of came together after you turn in the music uh to the director whether it's like you said the timelines are obviously very different What's the revision process like between you and the director or the music editor after you've kind of done turned in your first batch of work? So usually what will happen is the music editor takes over in that area and that that's the information is communicated to the music editor and the music editor writes up all the notes for all the cues and some you know it's approved 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 this one the director feels can be whatever the note might be and then so that's the that's the process that's the back and fourth process and then you submit those and then you get your notes on those and then approved 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 so the you you, know, you want to keep getting that approved list and and you keep working until they until everything is approved so let, let's say one of those notes is like tempo doesn't feel right with what's happening in the scene mm-hmm. do you is it a matter of re-recording it or is it something in editing you can fix well if it's a tempo thing it, it's it's uh you might have to re-record it. it it depends on how drastic the tempo is off you know oh, what okay. i mean yeah, yeah. I mean, usually, usually what that means is just the tonality, the emotional tone isn't quite there, and they want something that feels different. The thing that you really want is a director that communicates mostly in emotional tone and not in music, unless they're a musician, because then you can get into trouble. You know, if they have, <laughs> if they ask you to make it an octave slower, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, how often how often is tempitis a problem? And by that I mean, you know, you mentioned that most of the work by the time it gets to you. Uh, the uh, you know the director the showrunner whomever has been listening to the temp score over and over, and um, they've got a certain idea in your head, and and I know sometimes that can be an issue um, because they're so accustomed to hearing one particular thing it can be difficult to um, satisfy. That's true. 
I mean, that's you pretty much just laid it out. I mean, there can be times where there's something about a, a, a temp music piece of music that they really like, and and sometimes they'll say, "We're going to try to, we're just going to try to license that. We really like it, and there's really no reason to 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 adjust what it is." So that's happened. That happens. It's not. It's it's a common scenario. And another thing I know about you is, um, I was saying to Jason, I might know a couple of people who work as hard as you do, but I don't think I know anyone who works harder than you do. Um, this is not an easy huh. gig. You put in incredibly long, focused hours on what you do. Yeah, well, I, I think just like anything else, anything that's that you want to be great, it's going to take a amount of time. I mean, it's just going to take the time to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to show in the work. Um, and then also, if it's a scenario where, uh, you know, just orchestrating and just working working on arrangements, uh, it's just, it takes a lot, it's a you know, it's like building blocks. It's it's animation. It just sometimes that kind of stuff can can be could take some time. Uh, and then again, you, you have to have time to to for revisions. You need you need to uh, make sure there's enough time to make the product as good as you can make it and have it be the, as co- the quality you, you that you, that it deserves to be. And that just that requires time to put it in. Can you generalize about you know what kind of you know, hours per week you tend to put in when you're, when you're uh, mid production? Well, you know, it really, it depends on the nature of the, of the show. And, you know, sometimes it can be uh, the musical uh, template could be something very, uh, you know, acoustic guitar and piano or something like that, or, or just minimal stuff that, that, that I can put out pretty quickly. Uh, But other times it's orchestral and it involves a lot more people involved. And so the, uh, situation, situations like that, you know, I'll be working 12 hours a day, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every day. It just depends how sometimes you get a, you get a, uh, a shortened schedule. Like, Oh, we got, we have to do this in five weeks. We got to finish this whole movie. Like, Oh my gosh. So sometimes the schedule depends is a big factor in the amount of hours that you have to work combined with the type of music, the nature of the music. Do you find yourself relying when you're envisioning kind of what the palette is for a particular score? Uh, obviously it'd be great to, uh, you know, record orchestras in Abbey road all the time, whenever you need it, but do you find yourself also relying on virtual instruments to kind of flesh out things? I, I rely on it a hundred percent to flesh it out. Mm. Um, and then at the end of the day, you you go in with a to a studio and, and record live players, mm-hmm. and that now with the advent, well, it's been it's been available for a long time, and that is to be able to record orchestras in another country for a fraction of the price, which is, I mean, it's nice to be able to do that. I think it's unfortunate uh, that it has to be done, but uh, so I've worked in Bratislava Orchestra, Budapest Orchestra. And then uh, Los Angeles several times, and then and then uh, with my with my record recently, uh, uh, actually last year is when we recorded. That was at Abbey Road. Why is it cheaper to record orchestras in other countries? They just don't charge as much. Oh. The, the studios don't charge as much. The, the recording studios, the players are a lot cheaper. Then there's no union rules where there's if if you double, you paid fifty percent more, or if you overdub, there's extra money there it's mostly about the players and the union 
that jacks up the price. So you can you can do a 35-minute score in Los Angeles for about $100,000, and you can do the same thing for about $9,000 or $10,000. I mean, it's way different. Wow. It's, it's the quality is not exact. It's not as good. Um, I don't think, I think the players in Los Angeles and London are, are the best in the world, mm. especially at that, at, at, at reading music they've never seen before. It's not classical repertoire. It's, you know, go. Yeah. Um, and they're the best at it, you know, so that also means their tone, their tone is better. Their tuning is better. And so you, you might take a little bit longer to, to get it done elsewhere although they've really stepped it up there because so much so many projects have been done now in european countries that no, and big i mean not just and not just modestly budget stuff i mean huge a-list films are being you know 100 yeah huge films huge films are being, being done overseas which is well i i'm not a fan of that i think we should keep our music local we should keep our people employed uh but it's you know, this is the way that it is. I think they're, I think there's being, they're making more provisions for, for lower budget stuff. Now I think they, they have made, they've had to make changes to, a, to, so that people can keep working. So it's getting better. What about the aspects of the job that aren't musical? I mean, it, it takes a certain type of personality to work in that sort of intensely uh, collaborative and often hierarchical environment, right? Yes. You have to be a person that people want to work with. So it's not being uh friendly and courteous and mostly accommodating. Um, you have to know that you're providing a service. So you have to give what your job is to give them what they want, regardless of your own personal take on it. Let's say a piece of music, a, a cue I might write would be, man, this is the best cue I've ever written. I love this piece of music. And they're like, eh. they just dismiss this. It can be dismissed in that five seconds. And then, so you're like, all right, you have to be completely open for those kinds of scenarios. So um, it's, it's more conducive to uh, not having an artist mentality, but being more, more of a side person, like a side, a side man or, you know, or a, a person as a, a session musician or a side man that tours with other people. Or I think they're more, a little more suited for it because they're always providing a service and providing, helping someone realize their dream. And I think if you're an artist and you've done all your music all the way you've done it, and you're suddenly having people discuss with you why they don't like something or it's not right, I think that's a little bit diff more difficult for those those kinds of personalities to to uh, have to deal with. In these in these interviews, we're going to fo focus mostly on your recently work, including your 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 new album, Uncommon Measures, which we'll get to. But for those who aren't aware, even before he became a leading film composer, Lyle had a very illustrious sideman career. Um, you know, playing with artists like Sting and Frank Black. So, when you talk about um, bringing a sideman's sensibility to um, the very political environment of uh, you know creating a, creating a film or TV score. You, um, you're, you're coming from a place of real hardcore experience. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you saying all that. I'm hoping that's a, the, right, the right way to respond to your, what you just said after I sort of interrupted it with all this damn technical talk. I'm just saying Lyle knows what he's talking about when it comes to um, having, having a, a, a side person's attitude because you know, part of the gig is what you can do and part of the gig is the problems you don't introduce. That's correct. That's exactly correct. 
Yeah, we've mentioned your album, Uncommon Measures. It's coming out in February. Was the material for this record written for this record, or was it born out of other uh, creative aspects, and you've kind of been squirreling them away? Uh, the majority is was written specifically for this record. <clears throat> there are three pieces, however, that were written for something else, which is I have this job writing library music for <clears throat> Facebook. And it's been amazing. I've written something like 150 songs over the last almost five years. <clears throat> and it's it's been great because it's been a, uh, I've been given incredible freedom to just express myself just within just genres. I've done Latin jazz, I've done heavy metal, I've done blues rock in, in my way as if I was making my own record in those genres. So up, can you explain um, what, what you mean by you create library music for Facebook? What does that mean? It's very simple. It's, it's, it's music that any Facebook user, it's a library called uh, it's the sound collection and you could search either my name by, by name, by artist, which would, would be me or by any other people, other people are involved. Um, and if you don't know that you would just type in, blues or jazz or uh they have all these uh, tag tags you know happy music and a number of things would come up and then it's so it's you know it's the guy that's the, he's his pet bull pit bulls playing with the parakeet and they want to have some some music behind that or it's uh a snorgard or a, whatever i mean it's anything you ever see on facebook it's just library music mm. for that because the reason I, I wanted to ask that was because you mentioned if you go and you write some cues, like you said, if you write, you think this is the greatest cue you've ever done <clears throat> for one reason or another, director wasn't feeling it. Do you stash those into like your own private stash? If the director's like, ah, we don't really want to use that. Do you just kind of put that on a digital shelf somewhere to, to maybe use for your own personal use later? It's available. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it could be available for another project, another movie or a TV show. Yeah, I mean, usually something like that. There's short, shorter pieces of music, so it's 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 they don't really end up on my on records or anything like that. But uh, they are set aside for for a rainy day. So I'm just thinking, mm -hmm. like, if you're writing for an episodic series, and something in episode two wasn't working, but you stashed that little piece away, and episode six comes up, and you're like, you know what? Since we're kind of dealing with maybe the same overall uh, instrument. Uh, palette or whatever to kind of for cohesion does that little thing from episode two that didn't work work in episode six or eight or whatever yeah absolutely absolutely and that and that usually is uh facilitated by the music editor because mm. all the music goes to the music editor everything is compiled he puts it in a, a, a movie so that the directors can see it it's a a lot of the work is 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 um handled by the music editor mm. or they might say, Hey, you, this, this something you did in that second episode. You remember that cue? And I'll go, uh, okay. Yeah. They say, I think that might work here. Mm. You know, they're really keen. They're really good at that kind of stuff at archiving and, and figuring out how to repurpose music. Interesting. Uh, the late great Inyo Morricone was kind of famous for being a filing cabinet guy. Um, you know, like yeah, you yeah. go to the love theme cabinet, you know, when he, when he needed something, you know, very prolific and, um, he certainly was good at um, finding second homes for things that weren't welcome the first time around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to wrap up this episode, Lyle, uh, by asking you, what are your favorite TV scores for TV specifically? Um, I really like uh, 
David Porter's work for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I think it's super solid. Uh, I like Jeff Russo's work on Fargo. I think it's outstanding. Those are the two that come to mind right now. <laughs> what, what's the Those What's the presidential show on Netflix that Kevin Spacey was in? Oh, House of Cards. Yeah, Jeff Beal. Yeah, Jeff Beal is fantastic. He 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 did. Uh, he's uh, a great composer, and yeah, he did House of Cards. That was a really good score. Man. Usually, if it's a really good show, it's accompanied by a really good score. You know what I mean? You don't usually see a terrible show with great music. Um, it's 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 hard to do that. I mean, it's hard to it brings it out of you. I mean, if the project's really good, it, it brings the best out of you. Just like working with the best musicians mm. is going to bring the best out of you mm. as a musician, or in my case, a musician and, and composer. Yeah. So we all you always want to be connected to projects that are solid. Because you know you're going to do your best work. You have to. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lyle, for hanging with us this week. Yeah, amazing thank to you. get a peek into your world. Your new record, wow. Uncommon Measures, is going to be out in February, so people can check that out. We'll be back later this week with more from Lyle Workman.